everyone, I'm Nikki Sharma, an anaesthetic reg, dog lover, and a recovering workaholic. And I'm Nadia Taylor, an anaesthetic SHO, mum to two little ones, and self-proclaimed foodie. And you're listening to Coffee and a Gas, a podcast about all things well-being for anaesthetists of all ages and stages. Looking after ourselves is more important now than ever. We're here to explore our bad habits, fears and concerns, as well as learning the strategies to combat them and feel well. We're chatting about things like stress management, diet and sleep, and talking to some pretty great people along the way. So whether you're listening to us with a cup of tea in hand after a tough day at work, or nursing your morning coffee waiting for the bus, we hope you enjoy this journey of feeling well together. Today we're talking to none other than James Wilson, also known as the Sleep Geek. James is an expert in sleep behaviour and environment and has been featured on the BBC and ITV, as well as being a sleep advisor for Rotherham United Football Club. So James, thank you so much for joining us. Hello. So one of the things that I found really intriguing when I read about you is that you work and you campaign for better sleep, but you yourself have had a history of poor sleep and you've had a history of insomnia. So could you tell us a little bit about what that was like? My poor sleep was mostly my teenage years and my early 20s, although it's, it's sort of genetic poor sleep. Like that, that sort of like that inability to sleep is something that's that's part of me. It's, it's inherited. My my mum was a poor sleeper. My grandpa was a poor sleeper. And and it's I think it was, I didn't even realise it was a problem. To be brutally honest, in my teenage years, I just thought everyone didn't sleep. Um, I just thought, you know, it was normal to kind of lay in bed. And at some point you'd fall asleep and then my mum would come in and wake me up to go to school. That was sort of, that was the way I thought life was supposed to be. And it never, it never struck me as a problem. We never talked about it as a problem. Um, and I think it was, it was sort of like, I do, it was lonely being a poor sleeper. I think that's one of the things that, that I really like, that is something that every, every person who struggles to sleep feels that whether you're sleeping next to someone or you're sleeping alone, you do feel alone because, because you, you know, it's, it's, unless you've, you've experienced that, that, that dread of going to bed when you, unless you experience that, that adrenaline, that rushes because you can't get to sleep and you're panicking because you're thinking, what will tomorrow be like? And, and I used to do things like if something works, I remember once I was about 15 and I pulled every cuddly toy that I owned into my bed and sort of slept in bed with them. And it worked for like a week. I'm like, oh, I've cracked it. And that hadn't, because it'd stopped, it'd stopped working again. And it were like, I'd have like different thought processes um, before I go to bed and see if they would work. I'd listen to, uh, there, was, there used to be like a, a I'm, I'm, I'm from uh, Rotherham and in, in, we used to have a, on the local radio station like night owls and it was just like gibberish, people talking absolute rubbish. But I can, I, I hear sort of the theme tune of that and it takes me back to that time. So it wasn't really until sort of my mid twenties I realized it was a problem. For me, the big, the, the issue with, with my poor sleep was that um, my family made beds and mattresses. So I came out of university and went to work for the family business that that we we supplied. Um, at the time we supplied bed shops with with sort of furniture and, and mattresses. And then I, I ended up running um, a sleep company that that sold products and and I, I couldn't talk then I couldn't talk about my sleep issue because you wouldn't buy a mattress of a man who can't sleep would you that would be like the last thing you'd do <laughs> I love how you said um I'm a poor sleeper in, in my teenage years and I'd really love to know if we could do kind of very short survey with our listeners who are listening in to us of who would put themselves in the category of a poor sleeper because I definitely would Nikki what do you think so interestingly, like when I was a teenager, I was the sort of person that would, I would hit the pillow at, at like 10.30 and I would just be out until seven o'clock in the morning. And I, I, my teenage years were 
great for me for sleep. It was, it was in my 20s when I started work and I started having to get up early, you know, the demands of the change of the day. That's an, an obviously night shifts. That's a big factor, our shift pattern, that my sleep became really disrupted. So yeah, I kind of went the other way, if anything. But we've all been in that camp at some point. I think I've been at that camp since I was about eight years old. But um, hopefully, listening to some tips and tricks, I can try and forget that camp and move away from it. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit of acceptance, isn't it? Because I think I, I, I once have cured my sleep issues, and I think you'll, you'll hear experts who say, "I've got this magic solution that costs ninety nine pounds, and you can, you can, you can, no, it'll cure." Your sleep issues, but if you've got a stressful job, it's going to affect your sleep. If you've got children, it's going to affect your sleep. If you go through a bereavement or a divorce or moving house, these things will affect our sleep. And I think an idea that somehow we can sleep perfectly is is what is often damaging people like you and you, you, our sleep. Poor sleepers are damaged by the advice we're given. That look at this person who's a, who's really successful and they sleep perfectly, and you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes this sort of vicious cycle where you're like, I'm a poor sleeper. I should sleep better. This isn't working. Keeping your up and then you you just remain in that cycle and it's about kind of trying to remove that anger because that does not help I think we've all been up at three in the morning and got that more and more and more angry and then you start counting the sheep or you start saying words or listening to that audiobook again and then you know you think three hours has passed and it's only 10 minutes and it's just so confusing so I think why don't we start from the beginning what do you think James are some common myths around sleep that need to be debunked that need to be falsified for us to try and understand sleep well we've, we well we've, we've touched on i think the first one there we've touched on the um the the, the fact the, the idea that you can force sleep that if someone says to you i need to be you need to be in bed for half past 10 you need to fall asleep at half past 10 to wake up at seven you can't do it no one can do it no one can force themselves to sleep and i think as poor sleepers you'll, you'll know that you spend hours forcing yourself to sleep, um, forcing and forcing and forcing, and and the body doesn't work like that. So you talked about anger. If we, if our heart rate rises, if you know if the hormones like cortisol and adrenaline start to kick in, well, these things directly impact on our ability to sleep because the the fight or flight hormones. And when we when we have predators, if we're running away from a saber toothed tiger, we don't want to feel sleepy. So our body works in that way. You know, when we have when we are stressed and anxious, we're less likely to fall asleep and, and, and stay asleep. So I think that's a big one. The fact that somehow sleeps, like there's a magic switch, there's a magic there's a magic way to fall asleep. That That's not true. You can actively relax. You can drop your heart rate, which is really important to fall asleep, but you cannot actively um, fall asleep. And I think that's the biggest mistake a lot of poor sleepers make. I think um, the idea that um, we don't wake up in the night, that that good sleep is actually, is actually you sleep through the night or you sleep through a, a block of eight hours maybe. That's not, that's not true because we all wake up whenever we're sleeping we'll wake up every sort of hour and a half you know roughly but we when we sleep well we don't remember it because we fall straight back to sleep when we sleep poorly we do remember because we wake up and we start worrying about you know kids work relationships embarrassing things we've done failure often is what we do as poor sleepers that's the time we consider what a failure we are so it's 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 like understanding the sort of simple science behind it is incredibly important i think it's it's really interesting about the information that's widely spread about sleep because I, I sometimes hear quite conflicting things. One thing I really want to ask you about is napping because I am I am a napper. Nikki I'm a sort of loves a nap. <laughs> I love naps <laughs> and I'm that sort of afternoon, have a bit of a lull, like to close my eyes type of napper. Um, and yes, I am partial to a, a naps at work. Um, but what 
you know, some people say napping is, is a good thing and it can energize you. Other people say don't nap because it affects your sleep at night. But what what's your view on naps and basically is it okay for me <laughs> for me to nap? And I think it's I think that both those points are right. That actually, yes, naps give you alertness and they give you productivity and they can be really, really important, especially the environment that, that you guys are working in, in that it's it's really important. Like for shift workers, napping is an, an amazing tool. It helps. It massively helps managing the, the lulls and energy. Um, but they also, they can reduce sleep pressure. And one of the systems that 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 that, that, help, that gets us sleeping is a, is a pressure that builds up when we're awake. So the longer we go being awake, the the, the sleepier we get. It's been like, like, like hydration. The longer we're out, we out um, hydration, the thirstier we get. The longer we out sleep, the sleepier we get. Um, but but working in a shift a shift environment, that's not like working nine to five and you, you you've got a consistency there in terms of um, in terms of your, your night your ability to sleep at night. You know, I I I'm yet to meet a, the you know a shift worker who who wouldn't benefit from a, a nap. But it's whether it's whether they you know some people just they're not they're not designed like that. They they, they struggle to nap. It makes them you know I often get people. Who do especially if they work like normal shift patterns and they're getting enough sleep, they say, "I just want to nap, James." Yeah, but the reason you're not napping is because you're not sleeping. Your body doesn't need that energy. It's, it's all right, and I think that's the way to see it. Is that you know you'll see some expertise show the research shows that a 20 minute nap won't affect your nighttime sleep. That, that the research might show that, but my experience of working with tens of thousands of poor sleepers is that sometimes it does. Um, but I think in a shift work environment, it is incredibly important. The best, but the but to help you get the most benefit from the nap. Trying to nap for no more than 30 minutes um, because that's less likely to impact you when you do get to sleep. Um, and also um, trying, to, trying to do it not too close to your to your sleep time. So I would say probably about eight, nine hours before you, you, you're going to have a bigger sleep, um, you, you would try and stop napping because they're, they're, then they're more likely to, to, to affect you. You can have more than 30 minutes, but if you have between 30 minutes and an hour and a half, you're likely to wake up in deep sleep. And that's when you, anyone who's a napper who feels groggy who wakes up with that like, oh, that horrible feeling. <laughs> That's why, because you, you've gone into deep sleep. So it, it, it's, it's, it's trying to like, trying to, trying, to, trying to get it to work well. And I actually, I was doing some work with um, a, a, rugby, a rugby union session who was telling me that in the England team, they used to, uh, they used to have a, a 20 minute nap at the same time every day. And they would, and they would do it, um, and they would have a shot of caffeine as they start as they did that nap, because they get the double boost of the, 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 the caffeine and the, and the nap. And that is known as a nappuccino. One thing that I'm hearing from you and is kind of, it resonates to me as a medic is that we often talk about personalized medicine, is the idea of treating the patient that's in front of you for them, that one system is not going to work for everybody. And it sounds like we should have the same approach to sleep, is that you need to understand what you need and what works best for you, rather than using some prescription yeah, and I think that's, I think I think that we approach sleep like we approach exercise, nutrition, and I think that that applies to, to those things as well. But actually, we've tried to do the same thing, you know, like this this diet does this, and this 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 exercise will do this, and you get that more with exercise nutrition. But sleep is more like mental health. It's it's like who are you? What 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 are we working with in many ways? What are we working with? And then what do we need to do to get you getting better sleep? So not trying to focus on on a, on a, on a time. Sleep is a feeling. You know, it's a feeling. It's 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 how do you feel a couple of hours after after waking when you do when you do shift work? It's 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 around that. It's and like you say that you you know both you and I are rubbish at sleeping. What we are brilliant at is being tired. We are world class at that. So you change the story in your head. Rather than beating yourself up about the sleep you're not getting, you celebrate your ability to deal. And you're right when you have kids, being a poor sleeper, you're like my my moment is now. 
think um, one thing that I really want to ask you about, which is which is something that anaesthetists, but also frontline workers in general, is specifically about night shifts. And I think that there's kind of two things. There's going to work at night, which is the reversal of our of our normal routine and having to be awake when we when our body's used to being asleep. And then the other thing is going from nights to days to nights to days, which often as a as a trainee, our rotor does make us do that. So, you know, you're left with this feeling of jet lag and having to adjust. So it's just it's a part it's something that we just have to do we can't change our rotor system we have to work at night so how can we sort of approach it in a better way and and try and get as much rest and as as much sleep as we can during those periods we start with when i'm working with shift workers we start with the acceptance that we're not designed to do this and i think i think we can't we can't pretend otherwise all the external factors are saying go to sleep you know there's darkness you know that the light dark cycle is incredibly important to our circadianism and important to how our body sort of interprets when it should be sleeping so that you you've you've got and then when you try and sleep during the day it's the other way you've got you, the temperature's too hot you've got lots of noise you've got lots of things that so i think the first thing is i'm always amazed at people who do do shift work and you know it's always that sort of like um you know i love working in that environment because you, you it's, it's the little wind you're trying to get so i think it's we all have a different sleep type we, we sit on a line at one end you've got larks early to bed early to rise the other end you've got owls late to bed late to rise you'll have shifts that suit your sleep type better and often when I'm working with people, less so in the health service where it's, it's more disjointed shift patterns, but when people are doing set shift patterns, like a week on one, another week on another, another week on another, then start again. Well, normally out of two of those three, you can handle them better and one is, is quite difficult. And you you sort of optimize your sleep for those those two weeks and you, you accept that, yeah, I'm a lot, but the owl bit's going to, the night shift's going to be more difficult, but you try, you, you know, you, you do the things that you can do to, 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 to minimize the difficulty. So you start accepting who you are, you work out what you are. I think that's a, when we feel a bit more in control of it and understanding who we are, it's easier, it's easier to do. And then I think one of the most noticeable things I think around when I work with shift workers is they'll finish a night shift. So the, the, two, the two big things that I find is they finish a night shift and they're rushing towards bed because you're shattered and you want to get to sleep. And actually that's by totally doing- totally what I do. I'm one of those people, get straight into bed. And by doing that, by, you're not going through the process your body needs to go. So you've got an environment that's that's that, that's not conducive to sleep. It's going to be light. It's going to be loud. It's going to be, you know, you're getting lots of external inputs that same wake up. You'll be tired. You'll be sleep deprived. And when we're sleep deprived, it's quite easy to fall asleep. What's often difficult is sustaining that sleep. So sometimes it's actually doing doing the, you know, giving yourself a little bit of time to, to drop your heart rate, to wind down, to drop your core temperature. Because you're about to get into an environment that's actually going to be warmer than it should be for sleep. So and, and so so it's thinking about it's thinking about things things like that. You're often not sleeping with your partner, you know, where where you you, know, you might be more used to doing that. So it's it's, it's maybe trying. Is to, that to a bad a bit... thing or well, a good it's, it's, thing? It's, it's, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's an interesting one. Um, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a very needy sleeper. So when I'm not sleeping next to Mrs. Wilson, I, I do miss her. So what I what I do is I I take a, I have a I have a pillow made of silk that actually does feel a bit like the human skin. I spray her perfume on it and I give it a cuddle before bed. That's really sweet. That's so cute. That 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 um that that creates an emotional an emotional connection. That creates an emotional connection. Um, I feel like when I'm on just, night shifts now, I need to leave a pillow with my perfume on it for my husband's bless. <laughs> but in the day, that can help you. That can help you sleep better. So if you are trying to sleep during the day, that that smell can help you sleep better. Um, you've all, you know, it's, it's, it's these little things that, that actually, that actually help us, but that wind down is really important. Don't rush straight to bed. Give yourself a bit of wind down time. The other, the other thing that, um, that's important 
when you are when you are sleeping during the day. It's like a bit of compassion from those around you. Um, and I think what I often find with shift workers is that people forget that they've actually um, they've actually got to sleep, and they'll be left with a list of jobs for the day. You know, and it might be it might be they're having to pick the kids up from school. It might be they've got to go to the supermarket, and that puts pressure on the on the actual on the actual shift worker because it's, it's minimizing the amount of time they've got. To be, to be able to actually get to sleep and that you know that's really really like really really destructive to 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 their to their to their, um, their sleep and I know we, if, you, if you remember my talk I talk a lot about sleep dictators and sleep dictators are in, in a household there's normally one person um and I often find if someone's smiling that means that they're that sleep dictator and <laughs> Nikki's smiling <laughs> I'm not I just know people who are sleep dictators <laughs> and it's literally that they will be like I don't care about anyone in this house I I need I need to do this I need to watch telly in bed I need to I need to cut my nails in bed I need to have a you know and an hour to bed at this time and that's really really damaging to um to, to someone else's sleep so I think it's I would say anyone listening to this go and have a compassionate conversation with the people you love and and, and kind of try and make sure that that you are your, your your feelings and needs have been taken into account. I think particularly what I find interesting working within the health service is that often both people in a relationship are working within the health service and doing shift work. And that can actually be be quite difficult. But again, I think any conversations around it, you know, do you need to sleep in separate beds? Um, the smell, you know, the smell thing does work. It really does. It creates that emotional connection even when you're both not there. You know, a lot of my sports people do it, although they deny it because they don't want to be seen as being somehow software. I celebrate it, you know. I celebrate the fact that 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 that, that helps you feel secure. So you're looking you're looking at ways that you can you can something that's that's not typical behavior for for a human. How do we how do we make it more typical? How do we do things that actually make it easier for you to, to get the best that you can? You're talking about compassionate conversations with others. I actually think you need to have a bit of a compassionate conversation with yourself because I know that so in, I've obviously got my shifts in my phone diary and I put nights, nights, days off. And I realized unless I put in post nights, my entire calendar was booked out. I'd be, I'd arrange to take the kids to school. Then I'd arrange to, you know, go to the shops and da 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 And I realized I have to actually put in post nights so that I can appreciate that actually that day is for sleep. It's all for resting. It is not for doing the gazillion other things that I need to do. So being compassionate to oneself, I think is also just as important as being having others being compassionate towards you and your sleep. And I think in that, in again, like that performance environment, you've got to do it. You know, when I work in sports, people have days off and they have days off, you know, and I think it's seen, it's seen it like that where where, where you, you need to have that, that, that ebb and flow. We're not designed as an animal to be on eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 hours a day. So the jobs that you're doing, you are, aren't you? And and, and that and that is difficult. And it's a, it's hard to switch off to then be ready for sleep because you need to drop your heart rate. And and those days off are, are a chance to do that. And that's that compassionate conversation that you know there'd be people listening going, yeah, but you don't understand. And it's like, but but, but we do. You know, we do understand that it, it does feel. We know how hard life is and how you get constricted by by life. But 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 when you're doing shift work. It, you know, it's unfortunate because I'll always say it's just what a shift worker and non-shift worker in a household. The shift worker is the one who needs to take precedence because 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 they're the, the, everything is working against 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 them in terms of of getting the, the best sleep they can. So we've talked a lot about shift work, um, and that can be applicable to any kind of shift worker really and healthcare professional. I think I'd like to hone in a bit more about an issue with sleep that might be more applicable to our listeners. And that is coming through the waves of COVID that we have. 
I know it's been said that the rates of PTSD amongst ITU staff following the first COVID wave are something that more so than the rates of soldiers coming back from Afghanistan, which is quite frightening. Um, and if we think about anaesthetists, a lot of us were redeployed to ITU working with COVID. And I know that I can say personally that some of the stresses, strains and trauma that I experienced um, during those waves absolutely impacted on my sleep. So I was wondering if we could talk a bit about perhaps your experience with anyone who's gone through a trauma um, and how they can approach sleep or how they can improve their sleep considering that. And perhaps we as anaesthetists who have gone through something quite traumatic can apply those principles to us. So when I've worked with trauma, like say for with bereavement, it's that sort of it's 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 ensuring the other parts of your well-being are, are also addressed. So you know, it's making sure you have that that mental well-being support and that, that you are addressing the the issues that might maybe have caused the, the trauma. And then from a sleep point of view, it's, it's understanding that that sleep is incredibly important to our emotional well-being. During REM sleep, we are working through the emotions of the day. You know, it's it's, it's very much like an overnight counselling session. So, so you you are likely to have more vivid dreams. You're more likely to, you know, if you are if you are um, prone to something like sleepwalking or sleep talking or, or a parasomnia, that is more likely to happen. You, you're more likely to get worse quality sleep because the adrenaline and the, and, and the sort of the cortisol and the and the stress hormones caused by by the by the by the sort of traumatic event. So it's it's it's, it's accepting that that you know that that sleep might be different um, as, as we as we start this process. And, and then it is about the fundamentals of sleep. It's, it's the things we've talked about. It's, it's, from a sleep point of view, it is, it's understanding that this is, this is typical of, of someone who has been through trauma, that, that, this, that this will happen. And then it's putting in place that, that, that consistency as much as possible. It's putting in place that, um, you know, that, that, under, that understanding your sleep type and who, who you are as a sleeper, that the 30-minute rule in particular, that you know, don't just lay in bed tossing and turning, particularly after trauma, because that'll be the time your brain kicks in and wants to... Because I think often you're, you're on the go, the job's... Anesthetist does you on the go. You, you you're doing it all the time, and then and then and then you go to sleep. You go you go to bed, and then your brain can can, can come alive. So you've got to give yourself that wind down time. You, you know, you've got to you've got to treat. You know, you've got to, in some ways it's, it's treating your brain with a little bit of respect and the emotional part of you with a little bit of respect and understand that that you know this is this is something that has got to be worked work through. It will affect your sleep, but as as you work through the the, the you know the dealing with the trauma, you know, and and you're putting the right um the right kind of like consistencies and, and structure in place your sleep then then from my experience generally will 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 come again but it is that it's that two-pronged approach without without dealing with the trauma there's always going to be an impact on your sleep but you, but I've, I've met a lot of people who've, who've kind of like they feel like they've dealt with the trauma but the sleep's still affected um and 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 that that trauma can be you know to to, to, to widen it out it could be having children because a lot of people who've, who've had children their sleep's never really recovered because you know if you're particularly for the main sleep carer you know, if you're the person who kind of like is the person getting up in the night and always always going in, that's affected your sleep. So 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 although you know calling our children traumatic might be a little bit harsh on them, but that that is a is is an event that does impact on your sleep. And I've worked with people twenty years after you know their children are adults and and the the, the sort of the byproduct because they've never actually got the sleep that the 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 first eighteen months of the of the child's life has has gone. Where, where sleep was more difficult, but it's, it's left that memory. And I think that's that's often the thing that, yeah, deal with the trauma, but probably from a sleep point of view, it's about some of the fundamentals. It's, 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 it's you know, it's these things around understanding yourself, basically, like who are you, giving yourself a bit of compassion, take the stress out of it, you know, understand that it's normal to have vivid dreams, that it's, it's typical behavior of someone who's gone through a traumatic event. It's um, 
it's very comforting for me to hear you say that it's normal to have vivid dreams. As I've I've mentioned on the podcast before that unfortunately um, my mum passed away fairly recently. And I have probably about twice a week super vivid dreams about my mum. And they're obviously quite distressing and I'm sure, but it's it's very comforting for me to know that actually that's really normal because um, I, I, I haven't really thought about whether that's normal or not, but it's nice to know that I'm, I'm in a camp with other people and that other people might be experiencing vivid dreams about their trauma, whether that be at work or at home. And it's making sure that you're winding down because like often what we see is you see the, the, the dreams will happen because we're not wound down properly. So like, you know, you, you've, you've got a stressful job, that traumatic events happened. And, and when we rush towards sleep because we sleep deprived, then, then, then it's more likely to happen. So doing the wind down, dropping your heart rate, trying to trying to put moments in your day where you can relax and and, and you, I know it's incredibly difficult at times, but it's 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 understanding that the relationship between sleep and and stress and anxiety, and the more we can minimize stress and anxiety, the the, the better chance we give ourselves, particularly as poor sleepers. I also really like how you described um, sleep as an overnight counselling session, because I just think that sleep we're so we have such a biological view of it you know you go to sleep this happens you wake up this is how much you need whereas you're kind of reframing it as a as a a self-care thing but also it actually affects it's a mental health thing and I liked that you you said it's an emotional relationship with your sleep with um, rest and recovery and I think that's going to change the way I think about sleep and and how you know good quality sleep uh, affects affects everything really so i think it's it's so yeah, i would say sort of some some of the simple things to do um is is the, is think about that that dropping heart rate so it's a dropping heart rate and dropping core temperature on the on the dropping core temperature it's it's like a bath or sh- a warm bath or shower can really help um if you haven't got time for bath or shower a hot water bottle full of warm water and put your bare feet on it it can just help that little raises your temperature slightly then it drops it and that if there's a, i don't believe in sleep packs I, I really don't like that idea but is there anything that that maybe tricks your body into thinking something's happening that isn't it, it's 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 with it's with the dropping core the core temperature think about about um that that wind down time what you're doing so i'm not going to tell you not to use your, your device because you'll do it anyway you know what's the point of an expert who tells you to do something that you just you, you're not going to do but think what are you choosing to do on that device are you looking at work emails you're not going to sleep are you looking at what someone from school's been up to and they annoyed you at school you're not going to sleep but you've got podcasts on your phone designed to be sleep inducing. You've got um, you've got meditation apps. You've got um, th- things on YouTube. Think about the thirty minute rule. If you're not asleep within thirty minutes of being in bed, then then start again. Listen to something. Podcasts, spoken word books, music of less than sixty beats per minute. Try and get consistency in there. So whether it's napping, whatever shift you're on. On this shift, I have a nap at this time, or give myself a chance to have a nap at this time. Um, Again, on this shift, I, I will wake up at this time when I'm on this shift pattern. The more and, and particularly every time before you go to bed, you've got the same routine. So your body starts to learn. When I um, brush my teeth, that means so even if you're in the middle of the day and you don't need to brush your teeth, still brush your teeth because that helps your body understand that these are these are sort of we're bringing that heart rate down. We, we, we are we are relaxing ourselves. I think I think they're probably the the things that I would do. And, and understand your sleep type. You know, understand who you are as a sleeper. Are you a lark and are you an owl? Are you somewhere in the middle? It's a line. Where do you sit on that line? James, thank you so much for talking to us today. I think I've learned loads that should hopefully help me sleep much better considering these shifts patterns and the crazy times we are living through. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Sleep well. Thanks for tuning in for this episode of Coffee and a Gas. 
We would love to hear what you think, so please leave us a comment on the Association of Anaesthetists website. And if you found this podcast useful and enjoyable, make sure to share it with your friends and colleagues. See you next time.